positive feedback loop. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Positive Feedback Loop Podcast with your host, Ray, and co-hosts, Stephanie and Luis. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here again. I'm excited for this episode. Let's do it. Hello. I am also here and very excited also. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Today, we have a special guest, actually. We'll be talking about the future of music streaming and monetization, among other things. Our guest's name is Pascal Guillon. And he is a developer, a music producer, actually a he contributed to multiple Grammy nominations, and he's also an investor. So, Pascal, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, let's get started a little bit with your background. It sounds like you've done so much in your, in your past. Can you help us understand, you know, what makes Pascal, Pascal? Oh, no, absolutely. So, as a kid... I was obviously extremely creative. I was drawing a lot. I started to make music at a very young age. Uh, I was playing with a lot of Legos. So when I was a teenager, uh, it became obvious that I wanted to embrace a music career. So when it became clear to me, I started to really train extremely hard, meaning 10 hours a day on the piano, uh, transcribing hundreds of albums to understand arrangement, music production, all these things. So that led me to play with a lot of bands, to actually be invited to start teaching piano at a very young age. When I was 19, I was uh, teaching piano, uh, classical classes and jazz classes already at 19. Uh, I ended up in Cuba at 20 with one of my mentors and ended up on stage with one of the most famous salsa band called Bamboleo. I was 21. That's pretty surreal when you come from the French countryside. Um, I, I, but, gotta, I gotta ask, where in yeah. Cuba were you uh, spending Havana? most of your time? Havana? Santos, Santo Suarez, exactly. Yes. Ah, if you my didn't hometown. Know. Yes. Although not Santo Suarez, but... Yeah, well, I'm you from the place? Yeah, well, I'm from, I'm from Havana. Oh, awesome. That's cool. Yeah, so I was, I was uh, very taken aback that you had... Uh, oh, nice. Oh, uh, it, was, it was the, the, the nicest trip of my life for multiple reasons. So after doing so much um, stage performances, I noticed that I didn't really like to be on stage, but I prefer being in the studio. So I started to compose and produce a lot, ended up producing a lot of music for lots of famous artists around the world. And after doing uh, quite a bunch of years into that world, uh, the math side of my brain was missing some activity. So I started to do some research and I discovered the trading world, the finance world, and it really talked to me. So I applied the same discipline that I used to study music, I applied it to that. So I trained with elite trading firms in New York, uh, spent crazy amount of hours, and when you train with these guys, they also teach you to become more bionic as a trader, meaning to embrace technology to maximize your performances, all that st good stuff. So I started to program because I learned how to be a trader. <laughs> so that's how it, it, you know, like the programming came into place. And uh, so since then, 
what I really like is to try to combine these pretty much like three fields and to create unique experiences or proof of concept. And probably the best thing I created so far is that video game that is teaching people how to do better on social media while they actually hear my music streaming from the same video game. And at the same time, that's the game is paying me each time it's played at no cost to the player, thanks to blockchain technology. That's it. (laughs) That's quite a summary. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's pretty impressive. And Um, you brought in blockchain, which is Ray's favorite topic. Yeah. (laughs) I am a big fan of blockchain, that is true. (laughs) So we could definitely talk about that. Um, And when we get into this idea of future of streaming, I kind of want to take a step back and talk about the history of music. And Uh for example, what was the first musical instrument or first audio uh, device that you purchased and used and how did that you know impact you sure so because i'm from a very small village in france uh the only thing i had access for a long time was the radio and even if i had access to the radio i couldn't catch any radio stations maybe i could like get like two or three radio stations working that's all so for me, it was that. And then, well, you know, it was mostly buying CDs, then transitions to MP3, uh, and with the quality declining, of course. Uh, but that's pretty much it to today where, you know, it doesn't make much sense. The economic model doesn't make much sense for music artists at all because the the people who are in between are taking a huge amount, I mean, most of the money that is generated and very close to nothing is left for the artist. I mean, we know that even huge artists are making almost nothing of streaming of huge hits. So that's a big problem. I looked up what Spotify plays and in 2018, they're paying 0.6 to 0.84 cents per stream to the holder of the music. And so then mm. I looked up, well, what, what constitutes a holder of the music? And it turns mm. out that a holder is actually split between the record label, the producer, the yeah. artist, the songwriter. So yeah. mm. you do the math, that's yeah. not anything at all, really. I mean, it's Pretty you much. have to play a volume game at that point. Yes, and even if you do, uh, you know, tons of artists have been very vocal about it that it doesn't make any sense at all. So that's why, uh, since you are like very interested in the blockchain world, uh, there's a lot of blockchain companies who are trying to redefine how people could stream music so that it's fair to artists, so that it's transparent, good, because it's definitely not the way it is right now, um, so that they make more money to get the listener and the artist closer to try to make the payment as fast as possible, and the artists can verify that. And there's already a few uh, blockchain companies who are doing that, who started doing that. And one of the ones, I mean, the one I'm working with called MusicCoin, and for example, probably the best feature is that um, listeners can tip artists as much as they want. If you develop even like a small fan base of like true fans, what you're gonna make money of that? It's like kind of like the Twitch model 
where you receive tips and stuff. It works really, really, really well. You know, it goes back to the concept of the thousand true fans. Uh, you, if you have a thousand really real fans, it's not difficult to make a hundred bucks a month of them at all. So if you combine that idea with blockchain, with being able to receive payments instantly, which Musicine does already, uh, wow, that becomes very interesting. So how does how does that work? So do the listeners have to purchase music coin in order to pay the artists or what is the mechanism for paying the artist? So for the tipping exactly. Yes, it's up What about up for just the just to listen to stream it? If I to want to listen, listen to, to So the way it is is right now uh, the music coins so it's a fork of Ethereum if you want okay. to be really technical and there's each time there's a new block that is mined there's the major part is kept in a pool uh, so that, actually not the major part, I'm sorry. There's a part that is kept so that each time somebody press play on the internet, there is a coin that goes from that pool to uh, the artist right away. And there, that can be verified by the, the artist right away. And so that's the very interesting part about it. Huh. So the, the money going to the artist actually, when it's played, it just comes yeah. from... Cool. It's generated out yes. of mining. Absolutely. And, and the incentive for the miners is that one day maybe music coin will have more value. What is the, exactly. Where is the value for adding to the value, to raise the value of the music coin itself? Like why would anyone pay real hard currency for anything involving music coin? Why would I exchange it for oh, money? So basically... Basically, it's the only way, as we speak, it's the only way for artists to be paid instantly for their stream, to verify that you get paid instantly for that stream. If they get a tip, it's the only way for artists also to get a tip and to verify that that tip was paid by that person instantly. Uh, from what I know, it's pretty much the only music streaming platform that allows you to get tips right now, which is a huge deal. So pretty much if you're an artist, the way I see it is like, if you are a music artist, it's one of the only platforms or maybe the only one that allows you to have, to benefit from these uh, technologies, basically. So there's, there's a lot of interesting. There's a lot of really interesting new ways that people are paying for music and paying creators yeah. and uh, content creators nowadays. And then you mentioned one, which is Twitch, where if you yeah. like the content, that's something that's going on in the Twitch stream. Uh, exactly. The listeners, that's usually video game people playing video games, but yeah. oftentimes it can be people just talking. You yeah. can tip the creator, and exactly. that's one way they make money. You also absolutely pay for for their services by paying for Twitch subscriptions, etc. And yep. you can also subscribe to their channel if you yeah. want another way to give them money. How so many, it gives them a lot how of options. People actually tip. Like I think of it as. Uh, it's fairly common, depending. Yeah. But you're yes. also, but it, but it depends on the size of your channel, how many people you, True. you have. Like if you have a million uh, people, you normally don't wouldn't have like a million people watching. But if you have you know two thousand people watching you, and two of them, I mean like ten percent of them decide to tip. Not even ten percent, one percent. That's still a good few bucks you're making in that stream. So one percent is like a good a average range. That no, no, no I'm, can... I'm, I'm. Just it's coming just up with a, a, with a percentage. I'm just, yeah. yeah. But what well, would be a know, good percentage? I'm just wondering what a good percentage of people actually tip musicians. Well, the reason I ask is because oh. I think of like consumer behavior and how some tipping is 
a kind of a, a, a social expectation, like being in a restaurant. Yeah. And then there's the added layer of like the social pressure or maybe just the social currency of it. Like you're on a date and your date sees how much you tip. So that'll maybe impact how much you tip, right? So when you're behind a screen and you're dealing with a blockchain technology, how does that impact how many people are feel like they should tip? I mean, I'm looking back at kind of the into the history of music and Napster and how right. like taking music for free was was the the biggest motivation for most of these right. users. So then you're on the other right. side, which is you're tipping, meaning you're paying more than you're being expected or or forced to pay to to use something. So I just wonder about the psychology that affects that. Oh. To me, as an artist, it really comes back to the concept of the true fans. That's it. Because if you look at artists like Ryan Leslie, for example, he actually developed his own technology to own um, his um, address book. So he's not relying on Facebook anymore, on Instagram anymore. He created an app. He says he gives his phone number to everybody. And he's like, all right, if you want to interact with me, send me a text message to this phone number. And then there's a whole process so that he gets the information of the people and he doesn't rely on anybody else or on Instagram. Or, because, you know, he got big off MySpace and then MySpace disappeared. So he lost the connection with all these people. So he was like, no more of this. So what he did, he created that. And, well, you know, he live streams. He does everything he needs to do so that he has a real fan base. Uh, I think he has more than 50,000 people in his address book right now. Wow. And the way he sells music, I think he's releasing one single per month straight to the people, directly to them, straight, not through iTunes, anything. And he was easily making $2 million a year of his fan base uh, this way a few years ago. So I'm guessing he's doing even better right now because he built that technology. He got uh, nice investments and all that stuff. So isn't that, isn't that similar to a Patreon, though? Uh, yeah. it, so it sounds a lot so for people who may not be aware patreon sure. is a site where uh you can go and directly support creators by just giving them either yeah. a certain amount of money every month or uh every time they release something or every uh a couple of weeks or it's usually over a period of time um but Absolutely. It's, it, it is interesting how many ways that the industry is being split in terms of yeah. monetization, where your 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 uh, music lives, how you get uh, um, marketed. All yeah. of those things are so kind of disparate and competing with so many other mm -hmm. things. It's yeah. kind of incredible to me that anyone gets found and anything yes. happens nowadays in the music industry. Not only yeah. that, there's extra, there's actually lots of tools now for artists, so it's easier to create music too. Yes. There's more possible yeah. possibilities for artists to become artists. But that also too, means so. that there's a lot more competition. Right, right. Because you're, yes. you're not, also not just competing locally, you're, you're competing globally because everything's right. on, the, on the internet with the same ease of access. That's the thing though. Uh, last year, uh, I did uh, a talk for a conference and my topic was outside of the box thinking for music monetization. That's kind of my specialty to find other ways to achieve your goal. And for me, for whatever job you do, it starts by who is in your entourage 
who does the most interesting thing and to build relationships with these people. If you're in music, you can look around you and who are the brightest people around you? And I think it's super important to try to build a relationship with these people because if these people are so incredible, they must have incredible friends and some of them are probably in music. And thanks to this relationship, you can completely bypass the inefficiency of the music industry to get to your goal. For me, I got to Hollywood through one of the most famous actress, not through the music industry. So this way I bypassed inefficient managers, inefficient publishers. The business itself is super inefficient, but because I built relationship with high profile people, I had access to whoever I wanted. So when I got to Los Angeles, I actually got invited by one of the biggest songwriters of all time. And during my first two weeks, I worked on these two albums that got three Grammy nominations and sold more than 10 million copies worldwide. But it happened because I adopted an outside of the box strategy, meaning building relationship with high profile people who gave me access to, well, like uh, 24 hours after I got out of the plane at uh, Los Angeles, I was one of, in one of the biggest studios in Los Angeles working on like crazy albums right away. So for whatever project people have, I'm like, guys, try to be smart about it. Find another door that will help you to bypass the 100,000 people trying to do the same thing as you to get to your goal much faster so that you don't have to compete with these people. You're right away in a better position. So that's really the way I do a lot of my projects, you know. It sounds almost like you're saying, like, bypass that typical career ladder that everybody yes. else is climbing. Like, you're going to have to be yeah. climbing. And you can see the image of that, like a thousand yeah. people on a ladder and your faces, you don't even want to know where, climbing this yeah. ladder behind all these other people. And what you're saying is they're all over there on the ladder, but there are other ways to get there. Exactly. So, you need to have an edge. But and you need you to get on to a know... hyperloop or something. Yeah. Get the ladder. yeah. No, but you need to, yeah. to have an edge. And the interesting thing is that when you learn the job of a trader, a trader must have an edge to be successful. So it's very uh, evident in that field. But for some reason, it's not evident for other people in other fields, <laughs> but it's the same, it's the same idea, you know? So you have to apply this. If you go play tennis tomorrow, well, you're gonna find a way to put the ball where the person can't get it. You know, it's the same thing. So if you get into music, why are you trying to get the same uh, music executive who, are gonna, who is gonna see a thousand people in a year, is not gonna remember you, why you can actually talk to that person that will put you in the room with that super high profile musician and boom, you get a big credit and you're set. <laughs> you do you know? think that most musicians, you know, because they are so creative, do you think that most of them don't tend to think this way because absolutely, just because of the nature of creative people? Absolutely. And they don't care too much about the yes. business side. Yeah. Well, I think uh, they're, unfortunately, they're, to me, they are mostly stuck in a vicious circle where, you know, they have their vision, but they never actually take some time to define what would be the step to achieve the goal. And of course, since they don't have the steps, they cannot take action. So I do a lot of mentoring, and that's something we talk about all the time, is like, 
How do you define these steps? What are you going to do today? Okay, you're already pretty decent at playing an instrument or singing, but there's 100,000 other people doing the same thing as you. So what do you do today that will make you different in your process, in your strategy to get known? You know. This reminds me of a musician, what you're, you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Her name is Lindsay Sterling, and she uh, played the violin, yeah. but she happened to dance while she played. I- and Absolutely. nobody had That's ever it. done that because, you know, a, a very professional violinist would, would yes. stay in the same place. They can hit the perfect notes and everything. But she was so into her yes. music, uh, her music that she, she did. Absolutely. And now she, all of her concerts are, are choreographed. And this yeah. is a violinist. So. Exactly. And she's, That's it. she That's, has That's a great example. followers. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. How important is music videos these days to capture an audience? Well, I think it's key. And probably the next step is going to be VR, where you know, you're going to wear the, the thing and you're going to be in the video clip. <laughs> be part of the video. But yeah, I mean, you know, like whatever can catch people's attention. It's so hard to catch people's attention nowadays. So whatever can be done to optimize that. Yeah, uh, do you do think? It. Do you think that the need for optimizing that eye-catching nature of modern videos and especially the way that of monetizing for that is going to change the actual sound of music the actual way that songs are structured making them either shorter so you can get more replays because Mm. a shorter song will Mm. pay you more money because you'll hear it more often in a shorter period of time Mm. or uh maybe trying to catch on to something that you know recommendation engines are more likely to pump out so do you think that's going to create kind of like a homogenization of music to a degree yeah, more enough. so than we see with commercial music. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, we know that um, what was this social media that that did very well for a while? It was like ten second clips. I can't remember the name of oh, it. Vine? TikTok. Yes, oh, Vine. Absolutely. Vine. Yeah, Vine. TikToks. I think are still around. So and, uh, okay. and yeah, TikTok is doing extremely well actually these days. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it becomes so huge that I think that the people who are really trained to um, have a hit or like be really noticed quickly will fall in the trap of like trying to do content that fits. And some of them will probably do extremely well, you know, but at the end of the day, a song is a song, you know, you can't really compare a song to something that is super catchy, corny, (laughs) you know, that is just here to catch people's attention. Um, you know, you can't compare that to a song. So that's two different things, I think. What is your favorite song? I prefer instrumental pieces to me because probably because it lets me more imagination, you know, it's better for me. So my favorite composers are actually Ravel and Debussy, the French composers. Um, absolutely. Well, is that just nationalistic pride or? <laughs> Sorry? Sorry, is that just nationalistic pride, or is there more, or is there other reasons you like them? Uh, I like them because they are the most creative things I've ever heard. And when you you are aware of when they created what they created, it's absolutely mind blowing. And when you compare to what's going on nowadays, or even like very famous movie composers nowadays, they are a joke compared to these names. They are big, big joke, you know? 
but once again, it's just being aware of music history and, you know, that's it. <laughs> I could give another example like that Daft Punk, you know, the last Daft Punk album was so incredibly boring to me. When wow. you know Sunlight by Herbie Hancock, that was insane. And basically the Daft Punk album was just a new version of it, a, a super crappy version of it. So, you know, when you are aware, you, know, you don't get caught in like, you know, crappy stuff. <laughs> are there any other artists it that are super popular? Sorry, are, there any, <laughs> are there any other artists that are super popular, but you think maybe don't deserve the credit they have or their music is really not that impressive to you, in your opinion? Oh, yeah, there's tons of, I mean, the artists, the, 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 the artists I prefer are the ones that are popular and have a lot of soul. They're just, you feel that they're just, they are in complete alignment with themselves. And that's what they offer to the world. And that's when you feel it so much. And when I went to Cuba, that's what I felt. I felt that I met Africa, that met France, that met the US and all this kind of music. Uh, combined together to create some incredible stuff and you you have like a feeling of truth when you experience that. While in pop culture, there's a lot of people who are just here to do like catchy, corny stuff and I mean, there's not really any point to, to do it except to get a quick check or like quick attention. That's it. Yeah, or to impress a, you know, middle school or high school kids. So yes. we're going to take a quick break now um, okay. and we'll come back with Pascal. Learn how to do better on social media by playing a video game. Go to educationalgaming.org, play the game, and get an edge on social media. This is educationalgaming.org. All right, and we're back on the PFL podcast here with Pascal Guillon, and we are talking about the future of music streaming. Recent news has happened. Luis, would you like to share? Yes, iTunes is going away. What? Um, iTunes for, going away. I know. For all of you who uh, have been under a rock for the last two decades, iTunes was the uh, main music platform for Apple where you know you would have all your music in there. I, I at one point had my entire library on iTunes before transferring it over to another service. Um, but they just announced that it's going to get shut down. It's going to get split up into three subparts. It's going to be Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, and Apple TV, I think. Uh, yes, and Apple TV. So all of you who uh, had iTunes, take a moment to just say goodbye and make sure your music's fine. Well, luckily, it sounds like it's not. <laughs> yeah, all your stuff is staying. A lot. It's just yeah, they're kind of re. It's an evolution. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. iTunes was kind of a mess. All right. Pascal, did you use iTunes at all? Well, the funny thing is, I almost. Never used iTunes, and I think I use Spotify even less. I think I almost never, ever, ever use Spotify. And I think it was almost instinctly, instinctively, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense for artists. I, I'm not interested in using it. I prefer to go to concerts, actually, than using something that doesn't even reward artists. It doesn't make sense to me. So I never used it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but if you choice listen... between a live concert and uh, iTunes, I mean, I'd, I'd go have a live concert in my home. That'd be great. Well, yeah. that's the thing. If you're hosting uh, some friends over or if you want to just have some music in the background. Oh, sure. 
how do you oh, what yeah, do you what use do to play actually stream? do you play your own music do you purchase i guess maybe you have well, so is that or... like a like a how does that go if you play your own music to your <laughs> friends when you're just hanging out well that's the cool thing is you know since i i i did a lot of different kind of music i can actually use my own libraries and go through classical stuff to salsa stuff to hip hop stuff and they don't notice who it is playing <laughs> that's pretty funny so what's your music streaming technology of choice or do you not stream music uh actually right now on purpose uh i use musicoin specifically because i'm trying to push it's like you know being an activist i'm trying to push for these things to happen it's not easy at all that's probably easily 40 blockchain companies trying to solve uh, the problem of streaming and rewarding artists properly in a transparent way. So we'll see who becomes the new leader. But as you said, iTunes is going away. People are always thinking, oh, Facebook can't go away. It's too big to fail. Well, the thing is, if you think 20 years back, if you consider the 500 biggest companies, a lot of them are completely gone. And so you never know what can happen, you know. And I was reading about companies that have pivoted as well. Uh, for yeah. example, uh, a few companies that we would not even recognize back then, like Flickr, which started yeah. off with as like a photo sharing platform for, for gaming, I think or mm -hmm. something where photos were just a, a feature of whatever they were doing. Right. And people yeah. would, it, the photo part was so much more popular, they focused entirely on photo sharing. And a lot of these, these behemoth companies, their history is very interesting. So mm -hmm. we think of Facebook as it's behemoth. It could never, yeah. it yeah. could never die, but it could pivot into something completely sure. different. So yes. Yep. Yeah. It could become our governance source. It could be a form of government. People can vote on Facebook for their next leaders. Well, I'm just Facebook speculating here. Facebook already becoming, you know, well, reminding you when to vote. Do you know uh, Steemit? Yes. Yes. Steemit is like... Steemit. Go ahead. So, I mean, it's super interesting. I mean, since, you know, I, I code, I follow the work of Daniel Larimer very closely, obviously. Uh he seems it definitely seems to be one of the brightest uh, programmers in that world. So we know that Steemit got into the top 2,000 most visited website already. So I think uh, it it's a nice sign that things can change and could change in the near future. Actually, Friday I think on Friday no Saturday they announced with EOS that they were launching a new. Uh, platform that are, that would be, I guess, a better, even better platform than Steemit, which would be great. Mm. But I think in the five, ten years, there's going to be a massive shift. But people have no idea right now. But it's incredible. I'm with you. Yeah, Steemit is basically like Reddit, but on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. And if you receive a like or people upvote your content, you actually get Steemit tokens, which can be yeah. converted into. Uh, yes. Any other tokens or U.S. dollars or any so literal internet points. Hmm. Yeah, well, uh, internet mm -hmm. money, internet money. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, exactly. It's we like what more you than did points. The internet, so more than points. Yes. <laughs> yep. 
let's talk about a little bit about your experience as an investor. So I know that you are involved with uh, SpaceX a little bit as well as mm -hmm. Hyperloop. Can mm -hmm. you just tell us what your involvement is about? Oh, sure. Well, SpaceX, it's very easy. I'm an investor, so that's very simple. <laughs> so like you private know? investor because it's a private company. Yeah. So you have Absolutely. connection with Elon Musk or how does that work? Well, it's very simple. If you are a high net worth individual, you have access to certain kind of investments. And so I have certain relationships that give me access to certain kind of stuff. <laughs> and by the way, I'm not a financial advisor, so do your own research. <laughs> that, I always have to say that. It's very important. Good. Oh, thank that's you. Good. Thanks for sharing that. I well, so always have to say that. <laughs> so, so for SpaceX, that's, all, that's my only involvement. For Hyperloop, I am much more involved. So my first involvement was making some music for the videos showing the new technology. I did an anthem song for the company that we used a few times uh, for now. We used it at South by Southwest. So I helped building the team. Uh, actually, some of the people I brought became very important for the core team. Uh, then I coded more and more. So I ended up creating some monitoring tools for social media. I keep introducing people around the world that help to build the project and to push with some governments around the world. So, you know, it's, it's like a family and whatever I can do to help, I'm helping. And that's it. That's the beautiful thing about that, that uh, 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 team is that if you have an idea, you just can just share it. And uh, if it can bring value, uh, it can be adopted. So that's great. What are the values of SpaceX that have that convinced you to invest and to get involved in making the music for videos and things like that? What What is it about that company that... Oh, for SpaceX specifically? Uh, well, when you know the history, the beginnings of SpaceX, you're like, okay, I think nothing can stop him. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you know that, I think he, he, at the time he had, Elon had made like $200 million and he put everything back in trying to launch three rockets. And he was like, at, the, at the, the third rocket, if it fails, I'm done. And the third rocket failed. And two weeks later, he was like, uh, well, I know why. So we're going to launch a fourth one. <laughs> and the fourth one worked out. And then he got $2 billion from NASA investment or something like that. And then the next big thing is um, he's actually very, I mean, it was a week ago. They started to build Starlink, so that's a constellation of satellites to bring internet to the whole world, which would be, which could be a huge uh, cash cow for SpaceX. So they sent the first 60 satellites. Things went pretty well, looks like. So that's one of the reasons why you know I got into that. That's the the two main reasons: knowing the beginnings and the kind of impact it can have on the world. That's good for me, you know. Are they planning to provide that internet access or service to uh, internet service providers, or is that going to be directly to consumers and users of the internet somehow? I'm not sure how exactly how he's going to set up his thing, but the goal is definitely so that the whole world is covered completely. And he even said, if it works out, we're going to make so much cash, it's going to finance all my dreams to for Mars. So it's perfect. <laughs> have you met? Have you met him? No, we have common friends, lots of common friends, but I never met Elon, no. Okay. Very cool story. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that, we, that you do have that interest in the internet for the whole world, that vision that yeah. SpaceX has, especially because with music, 
a lot of access to music now is via the mm -hmm. internet. And so Absolutely. we think of all this music that's available to us. And I even think of all these indie producers that SoundCloud usually backs. Like yes. SoundCloud encourages these very unknown and startup musicians, yep. which I which I love because then you can discover, yep. you know, new music yep. that, that where they haven't had to climb that ladder. They can just go straight to the public. Mm -hmm. But what we forget that a huge portion of the world doesn't have access to any of this exactly. music. They're relying on yep. It reminds me of your childhood, relying on this mm -hmm. radio, yeah, you know, and whatever the the local DJ decides to put on that that radio station. I mean, what exactly? What do you think is the if the whole world has well, some lot, basic uh, just, access? You know, what do you see as the future for music streaming, or how might that impact it? Well, for for example, a lot of French artists, for some reason, they have a huge fan base in Asia. I don't know if it's supposed to be the French charm or whatever you call it, you know, <laughs> or the accent or whatever. But that's the thing. Uh, did you see there's, there's a, a new artist who, who just got a huge hit mixing country music yes. with that's, Trap? Uh, yeah, yes. Oh. The you old yeah, old country road. Uh, yeah, so, I love that song. <laughs> so, so you Great never, song. so you never know who you're gonna touch around the world, and if you can touch that person in a way or in another, well, of course, if you can bring happiness to that person or something, do it. And once everybody is linked through internet, well, that optimizes that idea. Yeah, it's almost like you have even more ideas because you've increased. More opportunities. Of, yeah, yes. the opportunities. And it does exactly. make me think, you know, you can mix genres. I remember when yeah. I was in high school and Jewel was really big in high school, uh -huh. the musician. And she mm -hmm. would she was into yodeling. And she actually oh, made yeah. yodeling sure. completely different. Like she mixed it with, you know, pop music and I was I was expecting you to say there she made yodeling cool. To which I would have disagreed. <laughs> Yodeling but... was always cool, but she uh... she mixed it. In, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, are there other genres? I wonder, Pascal. You work with a lot yeah. of genres. Do you ever yep. mix those genres? And and I guess. Be before you answer that yeah. question, I just want to tell the audience that name of the song is Old Town Road. Um, oh, yeah. Town by Road. Lil Nas X. Yeah, mm -hmm. Lil Nas X, and also Billy Ray Cyrus is is part of it too. Yep. So to answer your question, yes, absolutely. And but I like to do it in a way that you don't know that it result of the combination of two different genres. I could play you some beats I made that just dance in a weird way. So it really touches you inside. You don't know what, but it just brings you to the most deep and ancient stuff, very old stuff, African rhythm, you know? So that's why when I, even when I do pop music, I use elements or of, of way of grooving that comes from this African thing, because that's the truth. We come from that anyway, and that's what they use to make people high naturally through music. So I use that in, when I create music. No. How much of that uh, creation is a deliberate process versus a, I wonder what would happen if I mix these two elements together. 
Mm-hmm. How much of it is I have a basic idea? I know that if I put this here and this here, it'll sound like this versus mm-hmm. just trying things. If if you forget about the math thing, so being like this plus this equals this, that's not going to work because you're just trying to put two things together and very often it doesn't work. It's more like it comes to you, you know, it's if you write or if, if you compose music, it just comes to you. You don't ask for it. It just comes to you. And when you have digested enough information, these weird things start to happen in your brain. You start to hear things coming to you and you're like, yeah, but that makes sense because actually, yes, that comes from that and that can, that idea comes from that. So I have some R&B beats that just, yeah, they just dance in a weird way. That's very interesting to me. And so that's when the very interesting stuff happens, you know, when you have deep knowledge of different things and then magic happens when you, without uh, being really conscious about it, it just happens, you know. You mentioned mentoring and you have a mentoring program for yes. you know, young artists. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how people can find out absolutely. about it if they want to be mentored by you? Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. So they can have access through my website. It's in music education. And I don't advertise it on purpose because <laughs> I want people to find it by themselves. Because if they can't find it, uh, that probably means that they shouldn't be in my mentoring program because the way I function is I research and I learn every single day. Uh, Most of my days, that's what I do. I spend most of my time researching and learning. And most musicians, they don't do that. We go back to what we were talking about a few minutes before where you need to put together a strategy, do research on how to get to that person or put that together. So... I don't advertise it on purpose because I know that most artists won't understand the process and won't embrace this way of doing it. So this way, I know that the people who sign it, at least they have made the effort to research, to find where the access is, and then they are in. (laughs) You heard that you have to go look for Pascal online and (laughs) find this community. It's, It's easy to find. It's really easy to find. But, and then... So basically, right away when they sign in, they have access to a massive archive. 99% of the people who sign in don't check the archive. Hmm. But anything I did, it's all there. <laughs> you know? So they want the result, but most of the time they don't take the action. It's always the same, the same problem. You know? well, education now, online education is huge too, and there are so many yeah. different um, platforms and the classes. So there's also competition with Absolutely. Getting educated too. Oh, yeah. So that makes sense. I mean, do you have an example of somebody, I mean, you don't have to say their name or anything, but somebody you've mentored that just thought so differently about music where you saw a lot of potential in them and what, what was it about them? I guess this is almost like a question where you're telling the audience too, like what kind of person do they need to be, right? That you admire. They have, oh, well, I mean, in the most famous artist who really embraced that way of thinking and doing extremely well, you have Ryan Leslie, you have Chance, the rapper. Um, Any entrepreneurs, any artists who are entrepreneurs as well. I think nowadays it's absolutely key for an artist 
to make sure they will build something and to not rely on managers, publishers. Most of these people are desperate. I don't think you want to work with desperate people. You want to work with people who actually do stuff. These are entrepreneurs most of the time, you know? All right. So this has been an awesome conversation, I think, Pascal. Are there any other things that you want to leave for our audience so they can you know, ponder, think about, get inspired about? Well, everything is on my website. You know, I share all the good stuff there. It's out there for the curious pe people. Will you repeat and... the URL for everyone so they can find you? Oh, yeah. PascalGuillon.org. That's it. Well, Easy. We can put it in the show notes, too. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, everything is there. I even, I think the most interesting article is what's your edge. It goes back to if you have a goal, how do you approach it? Find the hidden door, and then you can bypass all the rest and get straight to what you want. Thank you so much for your time. I uh, really appreciate sure. it. I'm sure our audience does too. And um, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Thank and you. And as always, stay crazy. crazy.